As we jump into this subject, we're, uh, again, if you just walked in, we're going to be talking about parenting in Wonderland, right? How does the internet, the, uh, the, the screens that we all carry and have dominating our, our households, how do, how do these things affect parenting and what it looks like uh, to parent in this time? And it's, it's a very tricky situation, right, as we get into this. It's not easy to navigate. Um, let me pray for us, and we'll just kind of jump into the teaching today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these parents, and Lord, you have called us to parent at, at, at such a time as this, and the iPhone didn't take you by storm, or you weren't surprised by it, and uh, the challenges that we face as parents, though uh, there are a lot of challenges, Lord, it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity as well, and so we pray that you would uh, guide us as we discuss these things, help us to have to build relationships here with other parents, and uh, Lord, just, just guide and direct us so that we can be more effective at parenting our kids in this generation. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, today we're going to kind of talk about how far does the rabbit hole go down and thinking about, about what, does that, what does that really look like for us and the, and the things that we're facing. And um, and just to let you know where we're going, so that today we're talking about that. Next week we're going to talk about what I call shallow parenting, and we're going to dive into a lot more of these issues uh, concerning the internet. Really, we can talk. We're going to go four weeks here. We could go four months, right, about this, and probably still not cover everything that we need to talk about. Um, so, and then the third week you're not going to want to miss. Robbie Sherrill is going to be our speaker, a guest speaker. Um, she is a counselor who has counseled teens for many, many years and uh, has a, just a lot of wisdom. And she's going to talk about kind of giving our kids armor and how to uh, help them not be so susceptible to the, you know, bullying or online bullying and the pressures that we have, just having that identity of self, that uh, building that healthy identity so that you're more uh, impervious to those kind of challenges that, that we see so often in culture, especially with suicide on the rise and things like that. How can you help shore them up, and then the last week we'll kind of hit a lot more practical things, strategies that we can develop, right, for navigating this world. So um, so just to start off right out of the gate here, so what has changed since the development of the smartphone? You know, just over 10 years uh, ago, we got the, the iPhone, and, and it, there's really a lot of things that we don't even really understand the impact, right, that's having on our kids, having this technology. Uh, this Generation Z is the first generation that grew up, you know, you see a little kid now, uh, they get their parents' phone, they know how to swipe, right? I mean, they are just like, I can open this thing. Of course, now with the, new, the newer phones coming out, they just have to look at it, right? And there's facial recognition, and they're right there, you know, opened up into this whole new world. Thinking about how things have changed, like just, let's talk one, one aspect of a smartphone, okay? So cameras. How many pictures do you think were taken last year in 2017? Anybody? You can guess out loud. What do we got? Trillions. Okay. You're about 1.2, 1.3 trillion photos were taken uh, in 2017. And that, they estimate, was 100 billion more photos than the year before. A hundred billion more photos. So think about just that aspect. I mean, I'm constantly shocked by ways to use my camera on my phone that I never thought of. Because I grew up, obviously, without carrying a phone with me, like many of you every, everywhere. We didn't have that. 
So like, I remember leaving, uh, I was at the airport one time going on a family trip and I was like, oh, how am I gonna remember where I park? You know that, now you just take a picture of the, oh, there's the column. Okay, you know, boom. I know where my car is. I mean, just like that simple thing. You never have to take a note. You know, you get these handouts or things and you can just, oh, I'll just take a picture of that handout. I'll take a picture of that screen. You know, it's just things like that that just blow my mind that are so simple and our kids are growing up with that technology, right? Just at their fingertips all the time, constantly thinking and navigating that. Um, there's other aspects of that, though. The, uh, how much time do you think uh, uh, the average millennial or Gen Z spends on selfies in a week? Average millennial, about an hour a week on selfie duty, okay? So that would be, okay, because usually the first selfie you take isn't a good one, right? So it, the average is about six selfies before you get a good one that you like, but then you have to edit it with the lighting and stuff if it's not perfect, and then what filter are you going to use, and things like that. And so, but think about that, if the average is an hour... There are some students and younger adults, right, spending hours and hours on selfie duty, two or three hours. I've heard that some people say, you know, up to 40 pictures sometimes to get the right picture that you're going to post of yourself, okay? Um, so just, just that. Now compare this. Okay, think about that because this is where how much things have changed from when we were young. What did you have to do to get a photo growing up? Okay. Yeah, you guys remember this, right? We had the we had the cameras. I'm not talking the go before digital cameras, right? You had that that camera, and they weren't that expensive, right? A lot of us had cameras by high school, you know. Uh, you had to get the film and load it just right, or you could ruin the whole roll, right? Do you remember this? Uh, you could double expose if you forgot that you had used that roll and put it back in. You would double expose all your photos and ruin them. You had to go to Walmart and like tape that thing up and drop it in and go back like weeks later. Like our parents, we'll be telling our kids this and they will not even believe that that kind of thing ever happened, right? And then you would get this, these photos back in a package and do you remember, if you were like me, half of the ones that were any good at all, my finger was in the, in the frame, okay? Or they were blurry, like, oh, that's the best picture. You caught the perfect shot, but it's all blurry because I, I did this, right, when I took the picture. And, and so just trying to wrap your mind around that's the way we grew up. Our kids never have to show a bad picture, right? Think of what that does. Because, see, we live on the surface, and that's why we, I was calling next week shallow parenting, right? We live on the surface of things without necessarily getting underneath and thinking, what are the implications of that? You and I didn't grow up having photo albums of ourselves where every single picture was perfect, Right? In fact, most of the pictures were not, were far from perfect, but you had to put them in the photo album because that's the only ones you had. Right? You'd be like, oh yeah, that one's kind of blurry, but look at the background, or look, this is the only one I have of this, of this event, or whatever. And, and that would be the way it goes. Um, so now we can post pictures in real time, right? Or live cast. I mean, you can post video of what's going on in, in real time. Uh, we can talk to one another face-to-face -face like 
I remember watching cartoons where, like, the super friends would be like, Superman, you know, and they got the little watch thing, and it would show up, and he's talking to Aquaman. Do you remember that? Or the Jetsons, you know, and they're talking to each other, and we're thinking, man, that'll never happen, right? And now I could FaceTime my wife right now, right? And, and I could show her, you know, she could look around the room. I can talk to her just like the Jetsons or like, like super friends. It happens. And we've had this technology for a while. It's not even new to us anymore. Um, we are always accessible. Always accessible. A lot of you are like, well, yeah, my boss knows that, right? That I'm always accessible. But think about how even just impatient we are now in the fact that if you text one of your children, I don't know if you guys ever have this experience. I'm showing my own sin here. If I text one of my kids or my wife and they don't answer back like soon, relatively soon, do you get impatient sometimes, especially if it's urgent, like you need something, you're at the grocery store and you're like, oh gosh, do we have bread or not? And you're standing in the bread aisle and you're like texting, 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 you know, going, I know their phone is on them and they are not answering me and I need this answer right now. Okay. We have an expectation now that everyone is instantly accessible. Okay, now let's, and this is where, this is hard for us, is to put ourselves back in our teen world, right? We got to open the filing cabinet that we shut that has all the cobwebs on it. A lot of us don't ever want to go there. Some of us had great teen experience and we like to think about it all the time, but very few, most of us really would like to keep that drawer shut uh, most of the time, right? So let's pull that out and say, okay, do you remember when you had your first boyfriend or girlfriend and... You would talk to them on the phone for hours, okay? Uh, did anybody have a phone in their room? I did not. Did anybody have that phone in the kitchen or whatever that had the long spiral cord, you know, that you would be like, Mom, leave me alone. You know, you'd, you'd go like three, three rooms over and you'd follow the cord, you know, and you're like locked in a closet talking, right? Okay, that was our experience. That is not their experience. Imagine if you could text your girlfriend or boyfriend any time of the day or night when you were in high school and be communicating with them. See, our kids send out these tendrils of talking and they can communicate and they are communicating with multiple people all the time, all day. For most of us, though some of us do that in this room, most of us do not because we didn't grow up that way. So we will text and it's still like a tool that we use I can do this, sure, yeah, I am in conversations with people, but like the number of texts and the level of connection that we have is so far less than our kids because we just, it's a tool for us to use that we did not grow up with. For them, it's an extension of their way to communicate all the time, okay? Uh, this is over five or six years ago, I had several students that I knew of who had over 20,000 texts a month. Their data got shut off because I talked to their parents, and I was like, really, 20, over 20,000 in a month? And that means the data got shut off. It would have been more, but they didn't have enough data to keep texting longer than that, okay? And that's our students in this church, 20,000 texts. So that's not like a, a real outlier. If I know of two, how many more are there who are texting that much, okay? Um, so... When you start talking about all this, the rules ha have changed, right? We are, we are moving in the teen years from control to less control. So if you've been to Parent U before, you've probably seen this. Uh, we have this stick figure, my, my wonderful idea of 
when our kids are little, right, and we put barriers around them to protect them. And that is just kind of parenting one-on-one when our kids are little, right? We, you can't cross the street. You can only hang out with people, you know, that I want you to, that I know, and I trust their parents, or I know their parents. You can, there's certain shows you can't watch, right? We have barriers that we put in place to try to protect them. And as kids grow, the natural progression of this, especially in the teen years, and this has always been the case, okay, is that you, we start to take those barriers away, right? Those barriers start to disappear because they have more freedom. They have to. We control everything about their lives when they're little, when they're in elementary school and stuff. They're rarely out of our sight and so on. But then when they become teenagers, they're now going to school all day long and hanging out with people we don't know. You know, you hear a name at the table. You pick up every once in a while who their friends are. They're choosing their friends away from us. And, and these, this is a natural freedom, right? And it extends even more in the old days, right, once they get their car and now they're, you know, and they're going and they're doing all these things. Okay, so that's what I mean. It's always kind of been this way. You get more and more freedom until you're an adult. Okay, but now it's, it's extended even more because these barriers have always been in place. And some of them, we would trust these barriers even when uh, we weren't there, there were still barriers. For example, when your kids are at school all day, you're not there, so you can't control everything that's happening, right? But there are teachers that are there, right? There's coaches that are there. There are gatekeepers to propriety that are there. They even go to a dance. There's chaperones, and there's things like that. Even if you don't go to the dance, there's people there, right, kind of keeping an eye on things. If you send your kid to camp for a week, you trust the camp, you trust the counselors, right, that it's not just a pandemonium, you know, animal house going on at the camp. Now, here's the thing. We have gotten, so this kind of thing has always been in play, but now in society, one of the things that's happened is we are more controlling areas of life that we shouldn't control, and we're not controlling areas of freedom that we should or be involved in. Okay, let me give you an example. In 1970, I read an article, I don't have the exact stat, but in 1970, something like 80% of kids that were eight years old walked to school or walked to the bus stop. 80% in 1970. Now, you know what the percentage is of kids who walk to the bus stop by themselves or walk to school? It's like 9%. We are terrified of letting our kids cross the street or go down, and I'm, I'm guilty I mean, I've got a family that I trust that lives up the street, and I don't, I don't like my kid just going two blocks up the street to go see if they're home to play, out of my sight, out of my yard. So we're overprotecting our kids. A lot of what society is saying is these trends aren't healthy. Like our kids aren't learning how to problem solve, how to think, how to do things, because we never let them out of our sight, right? That's the whole helicopter parenting idea. Okay, but here's what's crazy is we'll say, all right, you can't go two blocks out of my sight up the street but you're bored right now, let me give you my phone. Let me give you this with our little kids. I've done it. I've been walking around Target when I had a kid in the, you know, that was causing problems or been in a doctor's office waiting in the waiting room, and you're like, oh, my gosh, you're driving me crazy. Here, take my phone, play a game, do something, right? Do something. Uh, we used to have the quiet space where you would actually think deep thoughts when we were in one of those situations, and now... 
you know, we go to these things so quickly. Uh, John 17 says this, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. This is Jesus praying for us, his believers. He doesn't want us to go build monasteries and, uh, and everybody just kind of hang together and separate ourselves from the world. So we do have to equip our kids to live in this world, right? This is the world that God gave us. And we, we were born and we're raising kids at such a time as this. So we have to equip our kids to navigate this world that we live in. Because really, when you start talking about all this stuff, let's be honest, most of us are like, my kid's never getting a phone until they're 35, and I'm not letting them out, you know. We want to do that, okay? But we really need to equip them to be and live in this world. So we're not present in social media. Here's the problem, and we'll go back. This is another verse, if you come to Parent You a lot, from Deuteronomy 11 that you guys have heard a lot. This is the... The famous verse where, you know, they've gotten the Ten Commandments and they've entered the promised land and God is saying, okay, you shall therefore lay up these words, that's the book of the law, lay these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and you shall bind them as signs on your hands and they shall be frontlets between your eyes and you shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting at your house, when you are walking by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Now, what he's saying in that is we're supposed to be teaching our kids all the time. When you lie down, when you rise up, when you sit at home, when you walk along the way. Okay, right? We're supposed to be who we are as people, who God is, what, the way they're supposed to live, how their character is supposed to be developed. And in the ancient agrarian society, this was much easier to do, right? Because they rose up together. Dad would take the boys and go out to the field and be with them all day long, teaching them, watching them interact with people, watching all of these things. The mom and the women at home would be working and all day long engaging with each other. Think about it. For hundreds of years, that's the way our society's been until about the last hundred, right? When we started separating everybody out and sending our kids off to school and everything's different now. And we aren't with our kids all day long. And the faster pace our society gets, the less we do this with our children, right? Okay, so here's the thing, though, especially when it comes to the internet, we are no longer walking. If this is a place, a space where they live, work, and play is on the internet, think about it. That's a space we can't go with them. When they hit that safari or whatever they're hitting, generally, unless you're standing there over their shoulder, they're entering into a world where you and I are not there with them. So we are not with them when they're walking on the way. And unfortunately, we are not with them when they lie down. What percentage of kids do you think go to sleep with a smartphone in their hand? All of you are now going, crap, do we let our kids take their phones to their bedroom? Can't remember. What percentage do you think? Somebody? 80%. 80% of teenagers take their phone to their bedroom at night. So, because we know they can't get into a lot of trouble at night with their phone in their room, right? 80%. Um, so, I was thinking about this. So, when I, was, when I was a young adult, I remember I went to overseas, and I spent a day in Amsterdam, now, if you've ever been to Amsterdam, it's an interesting place, right? So in Amsterdam, you can go into a coffee shop, and you can get a cup of coffee, or you can, you know, buy some weed. Now, this was back 20 years ago. You can also do that in Colorado now, by the way, or D.C., or a lot of places, 
right? But the other thing that was interesting about Amsterdam is I remember walking and window shopping and going along, and then I walked past a, a bunch of windows, and there was prostitutes in the windows sitting, you know, in their lingerie waiting and wanting to know, you know, if you, you could go in and purchase one of those as well, because it's legal in Amsterdam, okay? So you go to a place like Amsterdam, everything's legal. Everything goes in a way, right? The internet is Amsterdam. We're letting our kids go to Amsterdam every time. They have a smartphone, they have an iPad, they have the computer. They can do that. Okay, so in one sense, we're like, okay, wow, that's terrifying. And yes, there's a lot of danger that they can get into in that space. Okay, but here's, here's the other thing, though. When I was in Amsterdam, I have news for you, I did not purchase a prostitute. And I also didn't go buy drugs. Why did I not do that? Well, because the opportunity is there. But let's face it, really, what, what makes you and I do that? Yes, there are barriers, right, to society. There are barriers that, that keep us from doing those things. But at the same time, if those barriers aren't there, your heart is the ultimate place, right? The heart is the place those opportunities happen, and our sin nature responds to the opportunity. We want to always remind ourselves of that, okay? Our sin nature responds to the opportunity. And so just because that opportunity is there doesn't mean... I, I had character. My parents had taught me things. There, I didn't want those things, right? The things that were available, okay? And that is our goal as well with our kids. They are going to be free. I enjoyed Amsterdam but not in that way, right? And so uh, we had a, a thing on social media a few months ago, and Matt Lukenbill, kinda de- he kind of deconstructed the Internet in a way that I thought was helpful, where he said, you know, if you think about it, the Internet is really just pictures, video, and text transmitted over a different medium. You know, if you deconstruct it and take the boogeyman out of it, to some degree it's just pictures, video, and text that is communicated through social media. Okay, so it's not this big scary thing when you think about it that way. The only, the, so that is good to hear, but the other thing is the internet is kind of like, do you remember the tobacco companies got in a lot of trouble, right? Because if you, if you deconstruct a cigarette too, it is what? It's paper and some leaves rolled up, okay? But those things can kill you too <laughs> over a period of time. They're not good for you. And why? Part of it is those guys are sticking nicotine as much as they can in that product because they want you to be addicted to it. And that's the thing. That's what we need to remember. Even though we can deconstruct the social media and it's not dangerous in, in one sense, uh, it's just text and video and, and pictures, the developers of those products are putting as much nicotine as they can in that product. The dopamine that they're doing. They have focus groups that just sit around and go, Hey, scroll through this page. Oh, you were only on it for 45 seconds. Well, we've got to get that up. We've got to get that number up. How can we make you stay on this site longer? How can we make you go longer? And that has been going on for years now. That is why when you pick up your phone and go, oh, I got five minutes. I'll just look at Facebook for a minute. And you start scrolling, right? I don't know if this happens to you. It does me. And like an hour goes by and I'm like, what? You know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what day it is. You know, I can just scroll through and it's just like, whoa. I mean, it just starts hitting that dopamine in your brain 
and you just you want to stay on that site longer and longer and longer. And, it's, and, and I'm looking at like cat videos and stupid stuff. You know, it doesn't even, you know, top 10 lists and you won't believe this, you know, kind of stuff. And I'm just, and it's so easy to do, right? You just get sucked into it. Or food porn, that's my favorite, you know, just like when they're making that stuff and you're just watching like, oh my gosh, I got to go make some cinnamon rolls right now. Um, so that is happening. And, and there's a lot of recent articles that are out that talk about the idea, you know, Bill Gates and, and the developers of a lot of this technology don't let their, their own kids have cell phones. The developer of the iPhone put his kid in a school where they were not allowed to use that. In fact, uh, Gates didn't let his kid have a phone until she was 14. So people who develop this, these products are keeping their own kids off of it. That should be assigned to us, or at least delaying it to some degree. Um, why, why is Instagram your perfect life? I mean, think about the pressure to look perfect. We talked about this with photos, right? Everything that happens, uh, you, you want to look perfect. You're going to post things. Uh, why does somebody want to spend all their time looking at Instagram? And, and what happens? Why does this stuff increase depression? Well, think about it. We've already said this is a fake world, right? If, if you'll only post pictures of yourself that make you look perfect and make you look like you're having the best life ever, then that is what happens with Instagram. That's what's going on. Everybody only posts the best, the perfect, the whatever. Kids are very picky about what they're going to post on their Instagram, okay? And they can be because of digital photography, right? And the, and the phones, they cannot put anything that in any way makes them look bad. Well, then here's what happens. Let's say I'm a, I'm a depressed, pimply, overweight teenager, and I'm looking at Instagram of my friends, and they look great in every picture. And all of the parties that they go to, they look like they're having so much fun. Because you're not going to put a picture on Instagram of, I'm sitting at home bored eating a carton of ice cream. I'm not going to put that, right? You're only going to put the good stuff. And so what happens is we're scrolling through everybody's fake presentation of their life that's not even real. And it makes you think you're missing out, right? We even have a FOMO, fear of missing out, thing going on. And everybody's watching this and seeing all this, and they think everybody else has a great life, everybody else is doing this, and I'm missing out. Now, we as adults can see some of this, and we know it's not true. We see our neighbor post a bunch of pictures of them and their perfect life, and we go, I know them. It is not that perfect over there, right? We, but our brains are fully developed. We can think through this and go, yeah, this is not the way it really is. But if your brain's not fully developed and you're an insecure teenager, the most insecure time in your life, you can't see that. Research has found that an eighth grader's risk for depression jumps 27% when he or she frequently uses social media. And kids who use their phones for at least three hours a day are much more likely to be suicidal. And this is part of that, right? It's just constant exposure to everybody else has a perfect life, and I don't. And I'm missing out. All right. Last thing, and then we're going to go to some discussion. Students, a few years ago, uh, in my small group, I had a, a student, and this is a newer trend that it makes perfect sense when you throw this out there. So one of my friend, uh, guys in my group years ago, he was on uh, Snapchat, which if you're not familiar, Snapchat is a video and picture sharing uh, format that students are on. Most of our students are on it. And, but the thing is, you can send, it was originally developed, a lot of people think, for sexting purposes, because you can send videos to people, and they disappear after you watch it. 
So if you want to send a scandalous picture you, and you're worried about them keeping that picture, you send it over Snapchat and it disappears. So they get a little glimpse, but then it's gone unless they screenshot it. Think about Snapchat. If they screenshot it, it tells you they screenshotted it. So you can go to them and go, hey, I sent you that scandalous picture, and I know you still have it on your phone because it told me you screenshotted it. Now, there's even ways around that as well. You know, for example, I have an iPad. I could open it on iPad and use my phone and take a picture of something, and they don't know that I've screenshotted it, and I now have, you see what I'm saying? So there's ways around that, too. Um, but a friend of my, uh, this guy in my group, he was talking to this girl who he'd connected with. They thought they were mutual friends with this girl, and then as they started talking, they found out they weren't friends at all. This girl lived, like, in Ohio, and he lives here. Well, then they just stayed friends, and they kept talking and developing conversation and stuff. Well, it was tantalizing and more tempting that she started, they started talking about sexting and maybe I'll send you some pictures and stuff like that because they were like, we're never going to meet. Like, we can do this and it's tantalizing, but because I'll never meet you or see you and you don't know any of my friends, like, it's, there's really not much risk if I send you a picture of me, you know, naked or half naked or whatever. And I never even thought about anonymity being like, yeah, why not? Let's go. Let's go do this. And... You know, so just these ideas that because we have this instant information and the ability to send this stuff like that is so dangerous. And so just recently it's come to my attention more and more that this culture is permeating everything that we do. So for guys to pester girls to send them nude pictures or scandalous pictures is normal now in school for acquaintances. If they're dating, this is a, a direct quote from a girl in our ministry, who said, well, if they're dating, everybody just exchanges nude pics. It's just normal. And if, and everybody asks for it all the time, even if you're not dating. It's just like the norm. Now, right off the bat, I see some of your faces. <laughs> you're going, this is horrendous that this is happening. And I agree with you. That was, that is my initial reaction. And I am uh, also uh, horrified by it. Kim Kardashian is a multimillionaire who's made a career out of doing this. She's like one of the most popular people on social media, period. And she's built an empire on posting scandalous pictures of herself. So we're desensitized to it to some degree that this is not that far-fetched, right? Um, so thinking about that, I want, I want you to, what I want you to do is put yourself back in Mark, if you put those discussion questions up, I want you to talk around your tables for a minute, thinking of some things. First, how, think of the trouble you got into with the freedom you had. Go back to the 80s, you know, and go, wait a second, with the freedom I already had, what my parents didn't know about or whatever, what kind of trouble was I getting into anyway? Now, inject this technology that we've been talking about into your 15-year-old self and think about the trouble that you would have gotten into. Okay? And then how would you have reacted if Instagram was available when you were a teen? Like if you could create a scrapbook of your day every single day that all of your friends could see if they wanted to, what, how would that affect you and your day? So spend some time. Let's have some discussion. I've yapped long enough, and I'll come back and wrap us up in a minute. So take about 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes, and talk about this. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead. I know you guys can keep talking because uh, I'm sure there's some great conversations happening around the tables. And um, feel free to hang out and talk longer once, uh, once we're done today.
Um, how was that conversation? So did you guys, how do you feel after trying to put yourself in this context as a 15-year-old? Or is it guilty? Okay, I had to say myself when I started thinking about the technology that's out there now, thinking of the trouble I did get into already without this technology, that certainly I, I can't look with horror thinking of our, our kids to some degree, right? Because they, they need to be, this, if this was available, I would have probably gotten into more trouble or I certainly could have, right? Um, so thinking of Matthew 10, 16, Jesus said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. I've always been baffled by this verse to some degree. I've always been like, how can you be shrewd and innocent at the same time? And yet, when it comes to social media and the internet and stuff, this verse actually really makes sense to me. Because as parents, we want to teach our kids to be shrewd in the way they approach these things, that we need to be shrewd in the way that we approach this in regards to being watchful, in regards to planning and training and coaching our kids to navigate this world, we need to be shrewd, right? And we need to, we need to uh, teach them to be shrewd and, and set up good habits in the way that they do this so that they will be innocent as doves in regard to sin, right? They need to be shrewd in how they navigate this world so that they can be innocent as doves when it comes to how they do this. So the key to this whole social media thing, the key to all of this, and this is where I, I always hope that we end up, is going after the heart. The key is knowing the heart of your child and going after that. Okay, That's what our goal is. Uh, is how do, we, how do we do that? How do we pursue them? And those things, the good news is, guys, those things haven't changed in hundreds of years. You have to engage your kids and talk to them when you rise up and when you walk along the way and when you lie down, right? You, we, we teach our kids. We talk about life. We talk about what we're seeing on social media. We engage. We have to put the phone down ourselves, and we walk to them, and we engage in what's going on. Like, if you have a daughter who is already on social media, who's in high school, why don't you ask her sometime this week if anyone has ever solicited her for scandalous pictures of herself? You may not have thought to ask her that question before. And that's understandable if you haven't. Why don't you ask your son... If, if this is what's going on. Is this a commonplace occurrence? Okay. Has he ever been tempted to do that? Has, does he know of his friends that do that? Um, you know, so, and we'll get into all this more even next week, but, you know, once, if, if they do get a picture and then they send it on to somebody else, that's a crime, right? It's a big deal. Uh, you can and will get expelled from school, but that's minor compared to what charges you could be facing down the road. They are not thinking of these things, okay? Um, so going after our kids' hearts and knowing the heart is the thing because we work on developing character, not controlling their environment, because 
If you want to be their cop, you will be their cop all the time. And the problem is, you aren't that good at it. Okay? You're busy and distracted like I am. It is way easier to work on their character than it is to be their cop. Okay? Trust me. Spend time mining their heart and talking to them and engaging and finding out what's going on with them rather than spend time looking uh, through their phone, combing through it, because they're better at it than we are. And, we'll, and again, we can, we can go into some of that if you want. There are portals. They can go to Facebook and find a portal that takes them into things so that when you look at their history, it just says Facebook. Okay? There are ways to hide what they're doing, things like that. So again, this is if they're determined. But see, that's the thing. And that's why I wanted you to go back to your own life and your own self. If you were determined to get into trouble when you were in high school, you could do it. Right? No matter what. Unless your parents sent you off to military school or something like that. And even then, you probably could get in trouble if you wanted to. Bad enough. You could do it. So if you want to try to control their environment all the time, you will fail if they're determined to get away. Now, that doesn't mean you don't do a level of protection and a level of snooping and a level of what's going on. That's called love, <laughs> and that's called engagement. That's okay, right? But again, the, I don't have a solution for you to lock them down. I don't think that's going to be where you really want to go. I enjoyed visiting Amsterdam. Okay, I went through Anne Frank's house. I did a canal tour. It was a beautiful place. And I enjoyed that, but I didn't need a drone from my parents following me around everywhere I went to make sure I didn't get into any trouble because they had already worked on my heart to get me where I needed to be so that I could navigate that. That's the ultimate solution of where we need to go, right? Is know their heart and engage. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that we're not going to talk about practical some practical things. Not today, we don't have time, but we are going to probably the fourth week try to really lay out. So here's some software you can, you know, we will go into some of those things because you, you still need that. Okay. But, and I want to give you hope though. Like I have two, I have a 16 year old, I have a 19 year old. They're on social media and I'm not their cop and they're doing pretty well. I mean, I might find out something later on down the road. They're still human and they're going to sin. That's the other thing. We shouldn't be completely shocked if we find out our kids aren't perfect, even online, right? We want to have a level of making sure even if they're not perfect, that they're not making the huge mistakes though, right? We obviously would like that not to happen. They're not going to be perfect online. So we will unpack this more next week as well. Let me pray for us and uh, end our time together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for your word, which is true and eternal. Thank you for the fact that pursuing the hearts of people is what you call us to do. Lord, and regardless of the technology that's available, that hasn't, hasn't changed. So help us to winsomely creatively, intentionally engage the hearts of our kids uh, to train character, to train them to do what is right, to train them to go to the right places and make the right decisions, whether we're there with them or not. Um, and Lord, they need a savior and we need a savior. Um, these temptations do bring out in us the sin nature that's already there. 
And so we need you, most of all, to enter into us, that our kids, that their decisions would be informed by the Holy Spirit, that our parenting would be informed by the Holy Spirit and driven by that. We need you. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for loving us and help us to do this well uh, and help us as we continue this discussion over the next few weeks. All this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.